It's time for JT the Brick. I'm working for free today. Get the blank out of here. The tackles that are coming into this program have now got to be. One of them's got to pop like Daryl Russell. One of them's got to pop. Who's it going to be? How long have we been waiting for a young defensive tackle to come in here since Daryl Russell and go, I got this. Don't take me off the field. I'm a beast. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll. I want an elite superstar 25-year-old linebacker who's going to play five years in a row. You're going to pay him a new contract, and he's just great. This place hasn't done that well, and now Dave Ziegler probably could do a much better job at that position, I would believe, because the Patriots had a lot of good linebackers. Play that rant again. I'll get the hell out of here. And now, here's JT the Brick. And filling in for JT today, here's Harry Ruiz. Raider Nation, what's up? Our number two of the JT The Brick Show today on a Wednesday that it's getting hot out here in Las Vegas. We were out there, uh, Raider Nation Radio, Q Myers. He's been there. He's still there at Raiders headquarters. Me, Harry Ruiz. I've been, I was there when it started and I had to leave at 11 because Bobby was waiting for me out here at the studio at Raider Nation Radio 920 AM to guest host the JT The Brick Show for the second day in a row. I'll be here for the rest of the week and also next week on Monday and Tuesday. Mandatory minicamp day number two, Raider Nation. I'll talk about it in a bit, but first, remember, phone number. To call in, 702-365-9200. I want to hear from you, Raider Nation. Shout out to Jesswin Wendy, who said she can't call in because she's at work, but that she's listening to the show. Shout out to Jesswin Wendy. Shout out to Luis Narro, to Elda Terreros, who are tuning in out here in Las Vegas as well. They're not Raider fans. Luis is a Cowboys fan, Elda's a Broncos fan, and I'm trying to convert them. They're Vegas locals now. I got to make them silver and black fans. And the Raiders, if they keep winning, if they keep making it to the playoffs, and hopefully they get that dub in the playoffs, guess what? A lot of those locals out here in Las Vegas that root for other teams, they might end up coming to the dark side. They might end up becoming Raider fans because I was here when the Golden Knights started playing. And that first season, you saw T-Mobile Arena Mostly filled with visiting fans. But when the home squad, when the Golden Knights Knights kept winning and winning and winning and made it to the playoffs and won the first series in the playoffs and won the second one, won the conference final, and then made it to the Stanley Cup final, the whole town became Golden Knights fans. Why? Because this city... Just like Los Angeles, just like a lot of cities, they love winners. So if you come in, become the home team, and win, well, the people will follow. The people will become Raider fans. And guess what, Raider Nation? Let's receive everybody with open arms because we want to grow this family. This isn't just a fan base like a lot of fans that just show up when football season starts. In August, they'll start getting together and they'll start watching football. And they haven't seen each other in six months. But then the season starts and they start getting together. With preseason action, with regular season action, the Raider Nation, we're a family. We always are there. Shout out also to Gabriel Gomez, his wife, Brenda Beltran, with Los Meros Meros, with the wrecking crew out here in Las Vegas. I had lunch with them on Sunday. They're ready for Raider season. They've been traveling back and forth to Mexico, but they can't wait for Raiders football to start in August. They got their PSLs, their season tickets, and they're ready to host a lot of folks from out of town. We got Gangsta Raider on the line. Call number one in this hour number two of the JT The Brick Show. Gangsta Raider, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? 
Doing fantastic. Living the dream, man. Living the dream. Yeah, man. You living it up. You got the JT spot for a whole week and a half. Man, turn up, turn up. You know what I'm saying? I'm here in L.A. You know how we get out in L.A. I'm still waiting for the game to start. But, you know, I told um, JT the brick when um, when the Knights was in the playoffs last year, he you know he said the um, Knights probably was going to be the first team to win a championship for Vegas. And I said it was going to be the Raiders. But I wouldn't mind if it's the Aces because, you know, they in the Raider family. I call them the Raiderettes. You know what I'm saying? But when the Raiders win a Super Bowl, I think we should have our Super Bowl at night on the strip. We'll be the first uh, Super Bowl parade to be at night. What you think about that? You know what? That's a fantastic idea. That would be a little more difficult to get nice pictures of, but I'm not against a Super Bowl parade at night because this is a city of lights. This city gets lit once it turned the, the the sun goes away. When the sun sets, it's a city of lights, and that would be incredible. That's a great idea, Gangster Raider. I love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought I know you would. You know what I'm saying? Imagine when it happened. We'd be the first team to say to have a parade at night. Yeah, and- you know what I'm saying? That'll be groundbreaking, historic. You know what I'm saying? On the way we do it in Raider Nation. Keep it gangster. I'm gone. Thank you so much to Gangsta Raider all the way from Los Angeles, California, calling in. I love that idea, Raider Nation. When the Raiders, not if, when the Raiders win their first Super Bowl representing Las Vegas, Raider Nation, I want the strip to be more full than it is on New Year's Day. New Year's Day is crazy out here. And you'll be able to experience it if you come out for that San Francisco 49ers game when the Raiders play the Niners on New Year's Day. Just go from the strip to Allegiant Stadium because New Year's Day, New Year's Eve in Vegas, it's crazy. They close down the strip and they have a party. You're able to walk down on Las Vegas Boulevard and enjoy a full day. We got Stoner Dude. What's up, man? How you doing? It's pretty early, 106. I thought you'd call in at 420. Yeah, yeah, that's my time, man. That's my number on my jersey, too. How you doing, hey, man? man? Yeah, you must be huge in East L.A. Man, I mean, the Raiders, the Raiders have probably the hugest Latino community or listening audience on the planet, man. So congratulations that you got this gig. This is totally cool. Really appreciate that. Of course, hey, you man. Thank you. were talking about the power rankings, right, earlier? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, uh, well, you know what? They do this they do this to us every year, man. It's like how meaningless every single year they try to put together the power rankings and predict the future. I mean, talk about just making things up and trying to piece it together. First of all, the Raiders have dealt with the most horrible, tragic uh, year of adversity last year, still played their best down the stretch, beat the Chargers in dramatic fashion at home to get into the playoffs, and yeah, they lost on the road to the team that went to the Super Bowl. I think that at least puts them a little bit over the Chargers right now. They just want to anoint the Chargers. They want to give it to them because they don't want to sell tickets, right? Because they don't got an audience. They don't have a fan base down there in L.A., so they're just trying to pimp them. The Cowboys, they crumble every single year, all right? The Browns, they think their savior is going to be Deshaun Watson. They don't even know if he's going to play, you know? So that's, I'm just telling you, they do this to the Raiders every year. You know what? They got, I don't know much Spanish, Harry. Maybe you can help me out here. But uh, the word I would use for this and for the refs calls every year and uh, the power rankings is mierda del tetoro. All right? <laughs> That's the word I'm using in Spanish. That's the only word I know, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this every year when it comes to the power rankings. Hey, man, I appreciate you doing this every year uh, with the Raiders. I appreciate the fact that the Latino community is starting to grow because, like I said, it's huge. It's worldwide. It's global. It's a it's a global uh, 
a language. It's not just here in, in Southern California or, or the southern part of America. It's a global language. So, man, I, you're, I see big things happening for you, man. Hey, man, we got to work hard. We got to put in the work and do great things. Thank you so much, Stoner Dude. And yeah, in my opinion, if the Raiders get work done this year and they show the league what they can do next year, all those doubters, all those folks doing the power rankings on NFL Network, on PFF, on ESPN, on CBS Sports, they won't have an alternative but put the Raiders in one of the top positions because I have a feeling this year will shock the world. Next year, they'll be ready, and they, they'll know that the Raider Nation is coming. We got another call on the line. I love it. I'm loving it. Early at 1 p.m. and folks are calling in. Passionate Raider. How you doing, man? That's it. You know what's up? What's happening, Henry? Harry Louise. Hey, Harry. I got a, I, I got a request right now, man. I'm requesting that you become the next play by play play by play caller for our Las Vegas Raiders, man. I think you would light it up in that booth, man. I think you'd do a good job at it. Um, I, I'm new to the Vegas thing, man. I've, I've been like, man, you know, and I've been kind of this week. I've been kind of, you know, it, it's just a lot of a lot of talking heads that just don't don't vibe with me because I, I, I've been true to this since I could remember, man. You know, and and I just want some true, I want some true Raider fans behind these microphones who knows what it is to bleed the silver and black because you just can't pick up a microphone two years ago and think that you know about the Raiders. It's hard to sell to us long-time lifers that's been bleeding this for years. We've been riding this through through, through the hard times, through the good times, and, and it just it, it kind of irks me now that we're coming up. You know, people's getting all these little slots, man. I want to see people like Raider Man and people from, from the black hole who's been there try to try for, for Raider Nation to reach out and, and try to get some of these people in here to help do this because – we love this team, Harry. We love the Raiders. We bleed silver and black, man. We appreciate it, but I just want to see a little bit more Raider Nation in there because it just brings you, – you, you, you can't make this up. They call me – there's no fakeness with me, Harry. I live and bleed this silver and black, and all I want in my lifetime. I'm not asking for three. I want one hat, one Super Bowl hat. This says champions on it before I have to leave this earth. Let's go Raiders! Thank you so much to Passionate Raider. Guess what? Yeah, I want a Super Bowl hat that says Raiders four-time Super Bowl champions. But then after that, I'm gonna want one that I want. I'm gonna want one that says five-time Super Bowl champions. And then after that, one that says six-time Super Bowl champions. And hopefully, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler they can deliver one or two or three or why not more Super Bowls now that they're in Las Vegas I'd be the happiest man on earth I'm a Dodger fan as well I'm from Los Angeles when the Dodgers won the 2020 World Series I cried I was so happy that they finally won a World Series after not doing so since 1988 the Raiders it's been even longer without them winning a Super Bowl and when it happens out here in Las Vegas, I know I won't be the only person from the Raider Nation with tears in, the, in the hair, his eyes because this is definitely something that the Raider Nation, we've been waiting a long time for it to happen. And guess what? Uh, I won't say guess what because Bobby always replies with what, and I love it. Um, when the Raiders won in Week 18 against the Chargers, 
that stadium went bananas. The Legion Stadium exploded. It was a majority and a by big time majority Raider fans in attendance, and they celebrated it be, like if it were a playoff game because it was pretty much a win in your end game. If it had been a tie, I don't know what would have happened at Allegiant Stadium. Yeah, we made the playoffs, but the Chargers did too, and we tied, and it's like not cool. The Raiders won that game. The Raiders fought back after Justin Herbert went crazy, not on first down and second down and third down because he sucked in those in the final drive, but in fourth down, it didn't matter how long it was. He was getting the conversions. He was moving the chains, and he was getting his team down the field. He got them in the end zone. They got the extra point. The game went into overtime, and a lot of Raider fans I know, including myself, we were thinking worst-case scenario. We had that game in the bag, and the Raiders, it seemed like it was going to be like the good old days, and like not the good old days, the bad days in Oakland when they had the win in their bag, and then they let it go. These Raiders, they went down. They hit the field goal. The Chargers, that big play to Mike Williams, I swear to God, I thought he was going to the end zone. Fortunately, Trayvon Merrick ended up stopping him, and the Raiders stopped the Chargers in the next three downs, and they went for the field goal as well. So it was like, all right, the Raiders are going to be in the playoffs unless they have a turnover right here. They kept going. They kept moving. Thank you, Brandon Staley, for calling that out. They got the first down. They got into field goal territory. And the sniper, Daniel Carlson, got that field goal. Allegiant Stadium went crazy. And that was for a week 18 win in your end game. Can you imagine how the Raider Nation will go nuts when we actually win a playoff game? There's a generation or two of Raider fans that haven't seen these Raiders go deep in the playoffs. I was young when the Raiders made it to the next to the Super Bowl and played against the Buccaneers and they lost against the Bucks. There's a generation that hasn't seen that. Hopefully, they get to see a win soon in the playoffs, and they go deep. So to go deep in the playoffs, to go deep in the regular season, you need a solid offensive line. And to be a solid offensive line, you need a good right tackle. You need a good left tackle. And the Raiders right now have a very good left tackle at Colton Miller at right tackle question mark who is going to play in that position well Brandon Parker he got a lot of first team reps in today's minicamp mandatory mandatory minicamp practice at in Henderson at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center first time that the media has been allowed to either an OTA or a mandatory minicamp session where Leatherwood wasn't the primary guy at that position and Alex Leatherwood who last year was selected in the first round of the draft he spoke to the media after today's mandatory minicamp, and here's what the former Alabama offensive lineman had to say. Last year, obviously, you played two positions and started two positions, so, but so far in camp, you've know, been working at, at tackle a lot. What's it like, been like being back at that spot, and how do you feel like you've improved this offseason? Um, this spring, I've worked multiple positions, you know what I mean? Uh, I feel like it's all about um, just getting that value of um, versatility, you know what I mean, and being able to play wherever the team needs me and stuff like that. But um, it's been going great. Hey, Alex. Uh, Levi Damon, USA Today. What would you say you, you learned from your rookie season that, that you put into your focus this offseason going into your second year? Um, a lot. I mean, just um, the speed of the game, being a pro, you know, um, the whole nine yards. Just uh, last year being my first year and this year being year two, um, kind of like know what to expect. You know what I mean? It's not, uh, it's not all brand new. 
So just building off all the things I learned last year, making them even better. Alex, were there some things uh, during your physical training this offseason that you kind of put more attention to to really get you ready for this season? Um, not necessarily, just uh, being a better player overall in everything. So I feel like you can't be perfect at anything, so I worked everything. Did you immediately get to work, um, or did you give yourself some time to kind of absorb what, everything that happened last year? Uh, yeah, a couple weeks, of course, just because it's a long season. So naturally, you got to give your body a break. You know what I mean? So um, spend a little time with family. But after that, hit the ground running. Where did you, any particular place that you went to go work out and kind of own things? Um, yeah, I spent some time in Dallas and um, here mostly, just Dallas and here. Get a chance to watch some film and yeah. what, what you draw from from that when you looked at what when you sat down and watched yourself last year. Yeah, just um of course sat down, watched the season all over again, really uh, pinpointing um where I could have been better, um, the things to work on, you know what I mean. But still, like I said, everything. But uh, of course, just um, taking notice of the things I could have done better and things like that. So that's how I went about that. We saw Duke Mannyweather post you pretty often this offseason. I know you've worked with him for a couple of years now. How has he helped you find your game in the offseason? Um, he's helped me a lot just um, basically um, taking things back to the basics. You know what I mean? Um, not not putting um, the car in like in front of the horse, things like that. So just going back to uh, the basics and fundamentals of O-line play. Pass protection, the run game, stuff like that. So just um, breaking it all down, that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Was there ever a point where things kind of slowed down for you? I know rookie years can be pretty uh, frantic, um, especially in your position as a starting player on a playoff team. But did things slow down a little bit for you? Yeah, I feel like um, halfway to about three quarters through, that's when um, I started to really, like, everything started to slow down. I started to understand what I really needed to do as an O-lineman and to be a good O-lineman in this league, stuff like that. So from that point forward, I felt like that's where I began to, you know, grow, stuff like that. You mentioned going back to the basics. Was, like, violent hand use one of those things? It sounds like you had your hands going pretty good in practice today. Uh-huh. Um, not necessarily violent hands, but... Just having them in the right spot, you know what I mean? Um, your eye discipline, things like that. And, um, yeah, just putting your hands in the right spot, you know what I mean? Just getting that down first, then being violent with it, that kind of thing. And I'm talking about taking it back to the basics. So, Alex, uh, Willie Ramirez with the Associated Press. When we talked to Colt, we asked what he'd seen. He said one of the biggest things that is that he knows is that you leaned out and your work in the, in the weight room. Did you correlate that to – what you're able to do in terms of agility, footwork, maybe moving a little bit more uh, easier on the line? Um, I really don't understand your question. Can you repeat it? Your, your personal training, uh, basically uh-huh. off of what Levi had asked, Colton had told us that the biggest thing he knows was you leaned out and you're mm-hmm. working the weight room. Okay. Correlate that to what you need to improve on the line? Uh, yeah, of course. Just being a, a strong player, having um good core, good uh, balance and body control and like pass protection in the run game and stuff like that. So, of course, naturally this offseason, uh, I hit the weight room hard because you can never be too strong. You know what I mean? And things like that. Uh, cleaned up my diet a little bit and all of that good stuff. Cause... Do you feel it's important to have a set position uh, at some point here before training camp? Kind of open to wherever the journey might take you? Um, like, is it important for me? Uh, no, not really, because um, just like I said earlier, uh, the value of being a versatile player, you know what I mean, and just uh, having that value to play anywhere on the lawn, you know, because, like, it just brings you, that that adds value to you, 
as a player, as a teammate, you know what I mean? So it's all just contribution to the team. What are some of your first impressions of uh, Mick Lombardi? And um, great impressions, you know what I mean? Uh, I feel like uh, this spring has been um, awesome. Uh, I feel like we're um, just being where our feet are, you know what I mean? Not having any expectations or anything like that, but really trying to focus on getting better today and the next day getting better that day, you know what I mean? So that kind of deal. So it's been it's been great. With the game kind of slowing down at some point, you know, midway through the season, later in the season, early in the year, was it tough to kind of block out? Was it you're trying to find your foot, you're trying to find your footing a little bit, and trying to address the league, and just, you know, everybody's talking about people all the time. Is that tough for you? Right. Uh, yeah. Of course. Naturally, at first it was. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm human. I got emotions. You know what I mean? I'm also um, prideful in what I do and my product. You know what I mean? So. Um, at first, definitely, it was a distraction a little bit, not, you know, not anything crazy. But uh, I learned to, you know what I mean, just block all that out, you know what I mean? Um, and just um, be where my feet are and focus on me and getting better every day, every day, every day, no matter what anybody said. Because my coaches, my team, my teammates, they all believe in me. I believe in myself. So, yeah. Good. Awesome. Thank you. There's Alex Leatherwood, second-year offensive lineman for your Las Vegas Raiders, selected in the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft by the Silver and Black. He played every game last season, and you heard him right here say that three-quarters through the season is when he felt getting better, when he felt his game growing, when the game started getting slower for him and being able to understand what he was facing. By then, he was already a right guard instead of a right tackle, which was the position that he had originally been drafted to play, but he struggled through those first four games. They switched him to the inside. He felt more comfortable, but this coaching staff, they love the versatility not only with Leatherwood, but with the rest of the players that they have available in the offensive line, they don't want to have a guy just playing in one position. We already heard from offensive line coach from the Raiders last week. He said the only way that you're going to be focused in one position is if you're pretty damn good at it. And we know who's pretty damn good in that position for the Raiders, Colton Miller. He ain't going to be moved from that position, but every other position there's going to be options. Andre James, he was a center. He was the guy that wasn't moved. But this year, Dylan Parham, he got drafted. He has been getting most of his work in other positions besides center, despite a lot of the draft experts saying that his best position in the league will be at center. But that's what these mini mandatory mini camps and the OTAs are for. They're limited opportunities that the coaching staff can get to teach their players, to see what they got. So we'll talk about that and more coming up after this commercial break. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We've had some great callers today. Add yourself to the list, 702-365-9200. We've heard from LA. We've heard from Minnesota. I want to hear from the Bay Area, from Oakland, from out here in Las Vegas. Shoot us a call. You're listening to the JT The Brick Show with myself, Harry Ruiz, guest hosting today. I mean, it's a lot of carryover uh, once you learn the concepts of, you know, 400 3D or 500 3D, just things like that. But, you know, got to learn the terminology all over again. So, you know, just taking it day by day. 
Jonathan Abram, who had been scheduled to speak with the media for yesterday and then a day last week, and it didn't happen. Well, it finally happened today, and there you were hearing him saying that there's not a lot of change in his opinion in the defense, but the language, that's something new that he and the rest of the defensive players on the squad have to learn. So coming up at 2 o'clock, Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q, he's going to have the full interview with Antonio Pierce, who had great quotes today. The Raiders linebacker coach who has been working with the, who had been working with the Arizona State University Sun Devils for the last couple of years there with the coaching staff with Herm Edwards. Now he's with the Raiders. Raiders linebacker coach and Fun fact, he's from Los Angeles. He was a young cat when the Raiders were playing there in L.A., and he said today that he's a Raider fan. So you'll get great quotes from him coming up at 2 o'clock with Q from 2 to 5 p.m. And don't miss tomorrow the morning tailgate with Clay Baker, Heidi Fang, and Vinny Vonsignor from 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. ahead of day number three of mandatory minicamp in Henderson, the Las Vegas Raiders. They're getting ready for the 2022 season where they got high expectations. They want to do big things, and they already tasted how it feels to be in the NFL playoffs, losing in the wild card round by seven points by a touchdown against the eventual AFC champions, the AFC representative in the Super Bowl, the Cincinnati Bengals. So the Raiders, they want to do what the Bengals did last year. They want to shock the world and they want to say, yeah, we're good, but we're better than good. We want to show the world what we can do. And right now it's perfect. These days that they get to work out in Henderson, Nevada with the coaching staff, where, like you heard with Jonathan Abram, they can learn the new language. They can learn the new system that this coaching staff is bringing to the team. They got to get into it fast and furious and get, well, where they want to be by the time that training camp rolls around in five to six weeks. And preseason, whew, it's less than two months away, August 4th. The first preseason game for the Raiders, a Hall of Fame game against the Jacksonville Jaguars in Canton, Ohio. It's going to be a great weekend with the inductions of Cliff Branch and Richard Seymour. Of course, Branch, he deserved that induction way before it finally happened now with the Veterans Committee. And I wish he was here. I met him in Oakland. He had a signing at the Raider Image. I would always show up a day early before the games. Got to meet him. He was the best. He treated every fan with a lot of respect, a lot of love, and showed appreciation for them. And that's something that some some current players, and I'll not just say Raiders, but in the NFL, in the NBA, in the big leagues, show appreciation to those that show love to you, that support you on the field. There are a lot of guys that just want to run away from the fans. I don't pay your bills, but they show up. They support your squad. They pay money to be where you're at at the games. If you can give a high five at least or a fist bump, you'll make someone's day. And fortunately, a lot of the Raider guys, they've been very friendly with the fans I've been around out here in Las Vegas. I know that the Raiders have, um, well, not the Raiders, but Raider players that will be participating in that softball game against the Golden Knights out here in Las Vegas soon. Raider Nation, I was out there last year. Go and support the Raiders, and the guys were very, very friendly, all except one, and I won't say his name. They were out there signing autographs, taking pictures, and it had been a year where they could 
have very limited interaction with the fans. And fortunately, they did there last year with that event. I know they've had autograph signings around town with sponsors. That's great. Let's keep them coming. Let's show them the love. Let's show them the support. One of the guys I met out there at the softball game was Josh Jacobs, who's in the running backs room for the Las Vegas Raider. And a new face in the running backs room for the Raiders is Brandon Bolden, who will be playing in his first team that's not the New England Patriots. He had been out there with the Pats from 2012 through 2021, and he has a resume where... He has a good numbers receiving, 902 yards and rushing, 1,297 yards, a combined total of 18 touchdowns without him being the primary running back. It's a running back by committee in that Patriot system that's now coming over to Las Vegas. And Brandon Bolden spoke to the media today after day number two of mandatory minicamp. And this is what he had to say. A lot of people talk about, like, all the Patriots that are here. Like, how much different is New England from this organization right now? I mean, what you mean, weather-wise, or...? <laughs> hey, there's, there's so many people here, like, people try to call the, you know, the Patriots of the West or Patriots of the Desert or whatever. Yeah. There's so many people that came over. Is this, like, recreating what was happening in New England, or is this something totally different? No, this is something totally different. Uh, Josh is going to put his own spin on things. Is it a, a few things that... You know, we long learned along the way because I was there with them a lot of the time. I mean, sure, but we're not trying to be New England. We're not trying to be like New England. We're all we the Las Vegas Las Vegas Raiders, and uh, that's what we're going to play as. Right. I'm sorry. Now you ain't gonna lie to you. I kind of like it. You've you've obviously been on uh, in a winning program and winning teams. Uh, are there characteristics that you feel like you want to see this time of year to kind of give you a good idea? Of where this thing might be headed. Um, at this point in the year, we just want to make sure we get everything down. You want to get techniques down. You want to get fundamentals down. We want to get the playbook down. Uh, for a lot of guys, it's the first time hearing the terminology and concepts. And so, um, as far as for me, is I'm getting into the book myself and then helping guys along the way. How much of an advantage is that to have come to a new team, but you know your head coach, you've worked with him for so long? That's a big advantage. Uh, you kind of know what to expect. You know how you know how to go about things for practice, and you can give guys the heads up, hey, this is what they're looking for, and this, that, and the third. So it, it helps. It helps me as a player. It helps my teammates being able to tell them what to expect on a daily basis and things like that. So uh, I feel as if we continue to do that and continue to work together, we'll be fine. Brandon, Willie Ramirez with the Associated Press. So... Uh, in answering Adam's question, he said, this is this is Las Vegas Raiders. It's not the Patriots, but the guys that have been here, they said Darren Waller, he's watching Gronkowski go wild. He's, uh, Derek Carr is telling Josh, oh, I remember this place. So you're, they're watching a lot of New England tape. Is it for, for guys like you that have been there to let them know, hey, this is what we did, but this is how we need to be? Like, you understand? Is it frustrating yeah. maybe? You want to make sure that they're establishing new, but they're watching Patriots film. Yeah, as teach tape. It's like, this is how we did it when we was there, and this is how we're going to do it while we're here. So, I mean, like, you can watch old film. I mean, that's how we all got here. That's why we're all still playing, because we watch old film. And, you know, it's a lot of great players that came through, and a lot of stuff you can learn from. Was everything perfect when we did it up there? No. But we can learn from that and make it better. So that's kind of the – that's how I see it. That's how we're going about it. That running back room is pretty crowded and, and versatile. Um, it feels like you got every base covered. Uh, in there how competitive is it and you know what's the competitive spirit like in that room uh, it's very competitive but as a group of men and group of backs who've been in systems where there's a bunch of backs i mean with josh Kenyon, me amir 
uh, Z and uh, Britt, like with everybody, there's been a group of backs with everybody. And uh, as far as for me and I'm telling them, I'm here to make you better and you're here to make me better and we're going to push each other to get better. And that's just kind of how we've been going about things. Well, we cheer each other on when we're in there. We coach each other up when we come off the field. So it's uh, beginning to look like something nice. Is there between Josh McDaniels, the head coach, and Josh McDaniels, the coordinator that you knew, and the message that he's trying to convey to this team? That's a trick question. <laughs> um, the same. He just says it a little more stern now. It's like if you was getting babysitted by your older brother and now the parents are nowhere at home and you're stuck with your big brother for the weekend. It's kind of like that. But, you know, Josh has been cool uh, just these past years to – See him go from, you know, coming from Denver, coming back to New England. And I had him since I was a rookie. And just to see where he is now, like, I've appreciated his journey and I appreciate being part of his journey. You know, very glad to be here. But uh, there's no big difference between Josh the coordinator and Josh the head coach. I mean, he demands perfect and he wants perfect. And we're going to go out there and practice to make it perfect. Brandon, I know you, you guys are laying on foundation right now, like you said, but when you look and see Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, yourself, Josh Jacobs, there's a lot of talent on this team. Um, when you look at that offense and, and kind of project forward, how, how good can this offense be? That's one thing I'm staying away from. I'm not projecting forward. We're taking every day one day at a time. And we, like I said, we're still trying to figure stuff out. We're still trying to gel and trying to make ourselves a unit. So uh, we're going to continue to work on, and then we'll see how that goes when the season starts. Let's do that. Two more, Paul. Brandon, as, as – a running back in the NFL, and as you're talking about watching tapes, uh, what did you see on tape when you, when you look at what Josh Jacobs has been able to accomplish for the Raiders in his few years in the NFL? I know he hasn't been out there dealing with, with things, but what, what do you see about him on tape and what impresses you about him as a fellow running back? I mean, what doesn't impress you about Josh? Josh is a, a hell of a back, hell of an athlete, uh, very patient, very explosive, and he can do a lot of things with the ball. So, I mean, he brings a lot to the game, and, he helps everybody out. I mean, even in pass protection and stuff like that, too. So when you got guys like that and then you got the rest of the guys in the room, we're just here to sharpen each other, make each other better. And so we're here to learn. So, you know, we're going to try to add two cents in the Josh thing. He's going to add in to the rest of us, and we'll see how good we can be as a room. I was going to ask you, uh, any first impressions of Zamir, the, the rookie? What have you seen so far from him in the short time you guys been together? I mean, they're still diving off into the playbook. And as far as just trying to gather information and being able to retain it and go out of the field, he's doing fairly well. So, like I said, we'll figure it all out here in the end. But as of right now, we are just trying to learn, learn each other, learn the playbook, and get ready for some football. All right. Thanks, man. Sweet. Thank you. Brandon Bolden, running back for your Las Vegas Raiders. So a quick correction. I said that he had played all his career with the New England Patriots. No, he had one season, 2018, when he was with the Miami Dolphins. Very limited time that he was on the field. Yes, he played 16 games, but he only had eight rushes, 91 yards, two touchdowns, three receptions, 13 yards, one touchdown receiving. So he went back to New England where he was with now Raiders head coach, Josh McDaniels. He was Brandon Bolden's offensive coordinator for the eight years that he was there with the Patriots. And now that the Raiders, they had Jalen Richard as their third running back since 2018. And if I remember correctly, 
This year, no more Jalen Richard, who's a free agent. They brought in Brandon Bolden, who's pretty much just going to slide into that spot and bring his experience into that running backs room with the Las Vegas Raiders. And let's see how that works for the silver and black. I love what he said, that the running backs room, they're pushing each other to be better and that he has that big advantage of knowing Coach Josh McDaniels from their time in New England and that he's bringing that knowledge of bringing McDan knowing McDaniels not only for himself but also for his teammates he knows that he can be a quasi coach in there in that running backs room and tell his teammates what McDaniels likes to do in the running game and that could go a long way for the silver and black running backs we know that Josh Jacobs is option number one we know that Kenyon Drake is option number two and that K KD has great hands that he can do a great job being a pass catcher for the silver and black out of the backfield add Brandon Bolden and add the young guys Samir White and Britton Brown into that room as well and the Raiders right now they also got Jacob Johnson and they have uh, Amir Abdullah also, another veteran in that running backs room that has a total of seven players in it right now during mandatory minicamp. The Raiders roster is capped off right now at 90 players after the addition of another tight end yesterday, Jesper Horstead, who was at practice today, who was out there with Darren Waller as one of the tight ends on the field so it was good seeing them of course with the other guys like Foster Moreau the only tight end I didn't see on the field today was Cole Fotheringham who hasn't been there yesterday or today but we've heard from Josh McDaniels everybody's in the building everybody's there so if they're not on the field they're indoors and that's smart especially right now with 100 plus degree weather. But of course, I'm just saying that uh, in a funny way because they're inside getting some kind of treatment. They're there. It's mandatory minicamp. They got to be there. Everybody else, they're out on the field getting better each day. So like I said, Antonio Pierce, linebackers coach for the Las Vegas Raiders, he's going to be, uh, you're going to be able to listen to what he said to the media today with Q from 2 to 5 p.m., Unnecessary Roughness, Catch the Show. And, of course, Jonathan Abram, we heard a little snippet from his uh, post-practice interview. You'll hear more from him with Q Myers and Damon Cotton. They do a great job on Unnecessary Roughness. Right now, right here on the JT LeBrick Show, we're going to hear from Darren Waller after the break. But I want to hear from you too, Raider Nation. 702-365-9200. We've had some great calls today. I want to hear more from the Silver and Black fans. Raider Nation, chime in. I want to hear you. This is the JT The Brick Show on Raider Nation, 920 AM. Leads Derek White, attacks baseline. Derek White to the corner. Pritchard closed down by Wiggins. Kick out Horford. He's open for three. Got it. Stop him. Stop him. Get right back in this puppy. You ain't going too fast yet, Golden State. Game number three of the NBA Finals is tonight. Both the Celtics and the Warriors did that long trek from San Francisco all the way to Boston. Game one. Celtics won 120 to 108. Game two, Warriors won 107 to 88. 
Now, game number three. Tonight at 6 o'clock, the Celtics are favored by three and a half points, just like it was last week when the Warriors were favorites by three and a half points and lost in game number one. Now game number three, big game. Right now, it's a three out of five series. With the games that are remaining, let's see which team can get to those four total wins to hoist the NBA championship. And let's see if the Warriors get their fourth in this dynasty or if the Celtics once again become the team with the most NBA championships with the most Larry O'Brien trophies in their trophy case. I know all my folks in the Bay Area, they're going for the Warriors, but I also know there's a lot of folks out there rooting for the Boston Celtics to go the, all the way and with this new core with this new group with Brown and Tatum up there at the helm with a veteran like Al Horford doing his thing and being in the NBA finals for the first time it's definitely going to be a fun game game number three tonight and game number four on Friday both of them at 6 p.m. both of them in Boston before the series goes back to the yay area 6 p.m. the Bay Area 6 p.m. Celtics Warriors next Monday. Let's go from basketball back to Raiders football. Darren Waller, we weren't able to catch him here on the JT LeBrick show yesterday when he spoke with the media and we're going to hear some of his sound bites right now and Waller Believe me, last year, he was double teamed a lot. The year before that, he was double teamed a lot, and he still got his numbers. He still got his yards. He still got his touchdowns. He still got the ball from Derek Carr. Is he salivating right now knowing that he's going to have Devontae Adams on the same field as him and Hunter Renfro in the same field as him and Josh Jacobs and Kenyon Drake as the same field as him? Let's hear from D Darren Waller. Uh, yeah, I guess it, it makes defenses make decisions. Probably, um, I mean, if they keep if they keep doting me, then that's fine. Like, I mean, have, have single cover Devonta Adams if you want to, you know, or Hunter Renfro. So, uh, yeah, I feel like it helps us out. We can off each other, and I feel like you know somebody like Josh Jacobs and and Kenyon and Amir guys like that would benefit too because if they want to play a lot of zone, then it opens up things in the run game. So I feel like it allows the entire offense to be to complement off each other when somebody demands attention. Yeah, and talking with Brian Salmon from News 3LV, the sports anchor for Channel 3 NBC in Las Vegas, he was saying, it's like, I think they're going to be double teaming Devontae Adams. That's what he thinks. I'm like, well, Darren Waller is going to eat. Hunter Renfro, he's going to eat. And if not, you got more options out there on the field because it's going to be hard to double team someone on this field and with the Raiders offense, the way it's being built right now. Ooh-wee. It's definitely going to be fun to watch for the Raider Nation that has high expectations on this team right now. And believe us, Waller, he has them as well. Yeah, I do believe they are. And I mean, as they should be, uh, who wouldn't want the expectations to be high, you know, because like you said, we feel like the character was developed last year. And you add talent to the mix, you have a mixture of talent and character. And I feel like that's what allows you to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So I feel like we welcome those expectations. So. When you talk about tight ends and Josh McDaniels, you immediately think about the work that McDaniels did with Rob Gronkowski on the New England Patriots. Great years that Gronkowski had out there, a future Hall of Famer. He keeps getting numbers. He retired, then he unretired, and then he's like, I'll only play with Brady, so Brady retired, so I'm gone. So he's a free agent right now. Brady's back, so is he coming back or not? That's a big question. But 
Josh McDaniels has been showing Darren Waller tape from this guy, from Rob Gronkowski. So let's see if we get some kind of production like that in the end zone. Gronkowski had two seasons where he had 11, three seasons with 11 or more touchdowns. If the Raiders can get that from Darren Waller this year, it'd be great. Let's hear from Darren Waller on Rob Gronkowski and what he has seen on tape that McDaniels has showed him. And then real quickly, what, what does Rob Gronkowski gone wild look like? Because we, he kind of puts that persona out there anyway, but if, if you're describing him in an offense, what does that look like to you? Um, I mean, up, ups the seams, over outs, catching short passes and just blowing through people. I mean, catching fade balls on the outside. I mean, he's lining up everywhere doing everything, really. Thanks, guys. Thanks, So there you go. Darren Waller on Rob Gronkowski. Here's a stat. So Waller, he has never had double digits touchdowns in his career in a season. 2020 was his career high, nine touchdowns. That was his best season as a pro, 1,196 yards plus on 107 receptions. And he had 145 passes targeted towards him. Last year, we know he was limited. He missed a total of six games. So he only saw action in 11 of them. 55 receptions, 665 yards. That was his, let's put it, say like this, his not the the season where he wasn't at his best with the Raiders because 2018, he arrived in season from the practice squad from the Ravens, 75 yards, no touchdowns. He only played in four games. He didn't start in any, but Jared Cook was a primary tight end for the Raiders that year. The following season, surprisingly, the Raiders don't sign Cook. Why? Because John Gruden and his staff trusted Darren Waller, and he had a boom. He had a great season. 90 receptions, 1,145 yards, but only three touchdowns. Last year, two touchdowns. So hopefully we can see Darren Waller be that threat that we know he can be in the end zone with this new system that Josh McDaniels is bringing onto the field with the Raiders offense and make him an even more productive player. Of course, the yards are good. We want the tutties too. We want those points on the board to be six or seven or more, but three, no more that. Let's get those players in the end zone with the ball in their hands. Raider Nation, tomorrow is the final day of mandatory minicamp out in Henderson, Nevada. I will be there for the first hour and then rush all the way over here to the studio to have you, the JT The Brick Show, and the latest from the Silver and Black, who will keep getting that work in, who will keep getting better, and who will keep learning this Josh McDaniel system, and of course on the defense with Patrick Graham. I'm Harry Ruiz, coming up at 2 o'clock, Q Myers and Demon Cotton on Unnecessary Roughness. You'll hear from Raiders linebackers coach Antonio Pierce and Raider safety Jonathan Abram. Have a great afternoon, Raider Nation. See you tomorrow here at noon with the JT The Brick Show.